All right, so if kids want to head out to reach kids, they're welcome to do that now. And otherwise, uh, pray with me. Father, as we, as we think about the Christmas season and we think about the humiliation that you have endured, that we may be glorified and lifted up, uh, Father, we are humbled. And as we look at your word today, Father, I ask that you would fill us with the Spirit, that you would give us eyes to see what you've done, that you would help us to, to adore you, to come to you and adore you and, and to see Jesus in all of his glory, in all of his humility. And Father, would you make our hearts rejoice? That is our, that is our, our hope, that we would honor and glorify you, that we would worship you well. And so, Father, would you use this time to give us hearts of worship this Christmas season. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Uh, so we made it. We made it to the Christmas season. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, and I have to say, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of torn as to get it, having gotten here. Uh, all right. So we were in Romans. We were in Romans for a long time, right? We were in Romans. Uh, and we're talking about, we're getting ready to talk about the Holy Spirit. And super excited to like get talking about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, how he's going to change our hearts and do things that we can't do ourselves. Um, and here's Christmas. And I have to say, I was a little disappointed that Christmas was here. Because it felt like an interruption. It felt like, like oh, like, now we have to like, do this. And, um, and I, I wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, and thinking about it more, uh, I came to realize something, that if you actually look at, at Luke 1 and 2, the accounts of Christmas, the talk about Jesus' incarnation, the Holy Spirit is all over that. That if you're looking for passages about the Holy Spirit like, and being filled with the Holy Spirit and reacting to Christ in the Spirit, these are the passages to go to. And here I was kind of getting bitter about like, oh, we have to do Christmas. It's a distraction. Like, the Holy Spirit actually really loves Christmas. Because he loves Christ. He loves the work of Christ. And we're going to see throughout this series, we're going to see the songs of Christmas. The songs of Christmas. This is the songs that are contained in Luke 1 and 2. And these are, these are not just regular songs. These are songs composed by the Holy Spirit by everyday people who were so filled with the Spirit that they started to rejoice. And they started to worship. And they just kind of spontaneously erupt in, in the glorifying of God. And that's what we want. That's what we're looking for. That's, that's Ephesians 5. Speaking to one another in songs, psalms, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with our hearts. That that's actually what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. And this is people doing it. And so our goal in this coming month is to look at these songs and to look at how the Spirit kind of gives us great joy in Christmas and how he, he's going to hopefully change our hearts, that we would rejoice more in the season, that we would rejoice more in him, that we would adore him more. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to look at Elizabeth, we're going to look at Mary, we're going to look at Simeon, we're going to look at Zechariah. Uh, we'll look at the angels. We're kind of cheating on that one. Uh, 
We could say they're filled with the Spirit. I don't know if that counts. Um, but uh, today, today we're looking at Elizabeth. That she is filled with the Spirit and she just shouts out this cry of, of blessing and of joy. And so we're going to see three things in that. Three things in that. We're going to see that, first of all, that Elizabeth in the Spirit, she understands what a blessing Jesus Christ really is. Second, we're going to see that, that she rejoices in the presence of Jesus. That she just wants to be close to him. And third, we're going to see that her reaction to that is actually encouragement. That she encourages Mary in her belief. So three things are an understanding of Jesus, humble joy, and then encouragement. All right? Good? All right, let's look at Luke. We're going to look at uh, Luke 1, verses 26 through 45. So we're going to get a little bit of this, the story, and then we're going to focus in uh, starting at verse 39. So turn with me to Luke 1. We're going to start at verse 26. Luke 1, verse 26. All right. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. This favor, the word favor here is, it's, it's the same word for grace. You have found grace. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the, Lord's, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of she who is barren. Now nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now this is what we're looking at. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And he entered the house of Zechariah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. All right. So, Let's jump right into it. Let's jump into 39. In those days, Mary arose and went in haste to the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. All right, so Mary just got crazy news, and she's going to go share it 
with one of her relatives, with Elizabeth, who has her own news. She's carrying, actually, John the Baptist, the last of the prophets before Jesus, the Savior, was going to come. And when she's there, Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit. And the first thing that she does when she's filled with the Spirit is she, she sees the blessing that is upon Mary and the blessing that is Jesus. Look at verse 41. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. First of all, blessed are you among women. All right, what's going on here? All right, Elizabeth doesn't know the story. She wasn't there with the angel. She doesn't know that, that Mary received this promise. She merely hears Mary's voice, and this is how she responds. And she cries out, Blessed are you among women. Now, how does she know this? This is the Spirit. The Spirit actually gives her the gift of, of discernment. That she would see Mary and see, see what is going on spiritually within her. That she is holding the, the incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. And that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit gives us the ability to, to see things that are spiritual. To see spiritual realities. Now, I know that sometimes we're scared of that, but that, that is what the Holy Spirit has come to do. And even more than that, the Holy Spirit comes to, to give us kind of a different whole set of value. To see people totally differently. Now, who is Mary in terms of the world? She is a no one. She is a, a nothing. She is a nobody. That no one is crying out that this woman must be the most blessed among all people. The most blessed of all women. No, she's a poor woman. She's young. She has no influence. She's getting engaged to a guy who is just as poor as she is. She's part of an occupied country that has no power in an insignificant part of the world. That's the reality of who Mary is. And yet... Elizabeth, by the Spirit, doesn't see that. She sees her connection to Jesus Christ, and therefore, she said, blessed are you among women. That she is amazingly valuable because of her connection to Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the reality of, of spiritual discernment. That we don't see with the eyes of the world, we see with the eyes of, of the Spirit, with the eyes of Christ, with the eyes of God. And so she makes this exclamation... And then, kind of unsurprising, the connection goes to Jesus Christ himself. And what does she say? Blessed is the fruit of your womb. She recognizes, she can't see it, but she knows it by the Spirit, that this is the Christ. That this is God. Hidden and veiled, but present. Now the Spirit alone can do that. If any of you actually know anything true about Jesus, it is because the Spirit has shown it to you. That we cannot know Jesus as he truly is. That we cannot know him as the Son of God. We cannot know him as, as the incarnate one, as the one who, who created all things without the Spirit showing him to us. 
And I think we kind of we belittle that sometimes and expect people to know things. But no, like the Spirit has done that in us. He has opened your eyes to see who Jesus Christ really is. That is the work of the Spirit. The things you know about Jesus Christ are, are Spirit-given and Spirit-taught. And then we take it one step forward. It's not just that, that Elizabeth is seeing that this is the Christ. It's she's... She's joyous to see him. That she sees him as, as the most valuable person who has ever been, been conceived, who has ever lived, who has ever existed. And that's what the Spirit does. I think we, most of us, we know who Jesus is. We know what Jesus did. We know the story of Christmas. The problem is that we, we don't really care anymore. And we're bored. And we, we want to adore Christ. And we want to get really excited about him. But we can't. And we kind of pretend. And we play along with the Christmas music that's telling us that we're so excited. But really we're not. I think we're expected to be kind of like this like giddy about Christmas. And we all feel like we're not there yet. Um, that's where the only one who could make us actually adore Jesus Christ is the Spirit. And get us excited about Jesus. And we're not trying to muster it up ourselves. We need to ask him. To show us Jesus Christ. And show us why we value him. That we'd see the, the incarnation as this amazing thing. That we'd see the contrast between who God is. The God of the universe. Present walking with us. In the womb of a Virgin Mary. I pray that, that the Holy Spirit would give that to us. And I hope that you would join me in prayer for that. Because you can't muster that. That's the, whole, that's the whole point of what we've been talking about in Romans. We want to make sure that carries on to the rest of the scriptures. That if we want to adore Jesus Christ, the Spirit who actually loves Jesus Christ needs to give us that heart. And I ask that you would, you would join me in praying for that this, this Christmas. They would adore Jesus differently than we, than we have. That we would love him differently than we have other years. That we get excited about Christmas because we love Jesus. All right, but there's a second element to this. We also, we also pray that the Spirit would give us these eyes of discernment. That we'd see people not as they are according to the world, as they are in their, their merriness, as these poor, wretched people, but they would see people in light of Christ. And they would adore people because they're connected to Christ and united to Christ. That's the, that's the beauty of the Spirit. The Spirit sees past all this junk and he sees people as they really are. Now we know that in our hearts we are we're judgmental, we are critical. We're competitive with people. We want to be better than them. But the Spirit, he, he breaks through all that. And he gives us an ability to see. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit has given to Elizabeth. This value of Christ and this value of people who are united to him. All right, so. We're able to see Jesus. We're able to see those united to Jesus. But there's another part to this. There's another part to this. The next part is that 
as a kind of natural valuing of Jesus and of those connected to Jesus, Elizabeth enters into this humble joy. That she loves being in the presence of those who are united to Jesus. Look at verse 43. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What did I do to deserve to be in the presence of Mary? Now, if you remember a couple things. Um, these are relatives. Like, they, they knew each other. And so there's no room for pretenses here. Like, they hang out. But the things have changed. And now Elizabeth is humbled. Now she's, she's thankful that she gets to even stand in the presence of Mary. And the, the crazy thing is that Elizabeth, she's a prominent lady. All right, who is she married to? Zechariah, the high priest. The high priest. Like, she's, she's as high up on the religious order as you can get. And yet, here she is, that she's, she's rejoicing that she gets to stand in the presence of Mary. And it's not, like, it's not like she's looking past Mary and just saying, well, no, I'm, I'm really just rejoicing that, that I'm with, with Jesus, but I'll kind of pretend it's Mary. No, like the presence of Jesus has, has elevated Mary to where to be with Mary is, is a gift. It is glorious. It is a grace. And she can't believe that she deserves it. She's humbled to be in the presence of someone so united to Jesus Christ. All right, and then we have the other side of it. Now, there's the humility, but there's also joy. Verse 44. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. That John the Baptist was rejoicing in Jesus Christ. He just wanted to be in the presence of, of Mary, the mother of God. And at the sound of Mary's voice, he leapt. He was dancing in the womb because he was so excited to be in the presence of Mary. All right, so what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Um, next time you meet Mary, the mother of God, you need to be very, very, be very humble and be full of joy. All right, so go, go and love that practical application. Um, no, what do we do with this? What does this mean for us? Why do we care? I think we see Mary as this one who is so united to Jesus Christ. And it's amazing that she is so united to Jesus Christ. That, that if Mary walks into the room, like Jesus walks into the room too. His very presence is there. But I want to remind us that as much as Mary was united to Jesus Christ and had this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've believed in Jesus, your relationship with Jesus is better you are more united to Jesus Christ than Mary was to Jesus in her pregnancy. That you are filled with the Spirit and yes, Jesus was with Mary for, for nine months. United physically. But if you believed in Christ, like you are united to Jesus every single second of every moment of every day. That's what he promises. That I'll be with you always to the very ends of the earth. And what that means is that, well, first of all, that, that, that's crazy then. It's not, it's not just that he's there. It's also that he's, he's transforming you. 
So that Mary, Mary was, had Jesus in her, but you have Jesus in a way that he's transforming you. And he's conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ. You are becoming more and more like Jesus. And so, look at the person next to you. <laughs> look at the person next to you. If they're a believer in Jesus Christ, like, Jesus is present. That Jesus is present in fellow believers. And we are humbled to be in each other's presence. That we should get to be in the presence of those so intimately connected with Jesus Christ. And there's great joy in our fellowship because we are present with Jesus Christ in the Spirit. That's the reality of what this is, what this Christian community means. And it's kind of sad that we're so critical of the church or we're so judgmental towards other Christians and that we, we have eyes to see everyone's faults, but we're missing the fact that Jesus Christ is present in believers. And there's no room to be judgmental. We should be thankful that we get to be standing in the presence of Christ. That here at church, we are the, we are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are the children of God. There's great joy to be here. And so I would tell you, like, hang out with believers, hang out with each other. Rejoice in the fact that we have this blessing. A lot of people don't have this blessing, and we do. All right. Finally, finally. So we saw that, that she's excited about, uh, she sees the value of Jesus. She, she has humble joy to be in the presence of fellow believers, those united to Christ. Finally, Elizabeth, filled with the Spirit, she encourages Mary for her belief in the promises. Verse 45. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed. All right, so the Spirit could have, could have given Elizabeth a, or like a million things to say to Mary. But the Holy Spirit chose to, to tell Elizabeth to encourage Mary's belief that by her belief, she was blessed. And I hope that this, this harkens back to Romans. What we've seen, it's always about belief. It's not about works. It's not about what you are. It's about believing in the promises of God that he will fulfill them. And so when the Spirit wants to encourage and wants to, to push Mary forward, Elizabeth reinforces her belief. And that's good because Mary, Mary had to believe a lot here. What did Mary have to believe? Well, Mary knew, knew the God of the Old Testament. She knew the God who created all things. She knew the God who was too holy to be touched. The God who was, who was a devastating fire. And yet, here is God saying, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm going to enter inside of you the womb of a sinner. Everyone is a sinner. Mary's a sinner too. That the omnipotent, omniscient, all-powerful, incomprehensible God would be present with Mary. And I'm sure she had questions about that. Like, 
She had, had the one question, like, well, I'm, I'm a virgin. How is that going to work? I'm sure there are other questions, too. Like, how is that not going to destroy me? How am I not going to defile the God of the universe? How can the God who is eternal life depend upon the food that I eat each day, and the blood that pumps through my veins, the breath that I take? How could God do this? And yet, what does she do? She believes. She believes that God can do it. She doesn't understand how, but she believes. And that's all that Mary is asked to do. Just believe. God will take care of it. And so when Elizabeth comes to her, she encourages the belief. She doesn't come with, with parental advice. She doesn't come to, to tell her what she, be, she should be eating right or what she should be doing. No, she, she encourages belief. And reminds her that blessing comes with believing in the Lord. All right, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? It's by faith alone. It is by faith alone. It is not anything that we do. All we have to do is believe that what Jesus Christ did is enough. That he came. That he lived the perfect life because we are imperfect, terrible people. That he died on the cross because we deserve to die. That he rose from the dead so that we might live. That he's guaranteeing us to get to heaven because he already is there. And all we have to do is believe. That is the gospel. We don't have to do anything else but believe. And if we actually believe that, the Holy Spirit should convict us that of all things we can do for one another is encourage belief. Encourage faith. Tell each other to keep believing. Keep believing that God is going to fulfill the promises. That you don't need to work. You don't need to do anything but believe. Nothing but Jesus. Nothing but faith. Nothing but grace. Nothing but the Spirit. That's what we believe. And that's what, that's what is so hard to believe day in and day out. And I think we, we have feel so much other pressure to, to fix people and to judge people and to get people to stop sinning. But, you know, first and foremost, the Spirit is convicting us. You know, encourage one another. Encourage one another to believe what we've already believed. That there's blessing that comes from believing. Encourage one another. All right. The hard part about this sermon. What's the hard part of this sermon? I can't fill you with the Holy Spirit. And you can't fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. And no one can manipulate the Holy Spirit. What I did was just tell you what the Holy Spirit looks like. I can't, I can't actually make him do that for you. Elizabeth couldn't do this for you. Like Elizabeth, when, she, when this happened, she didn't then go around and say like, well, I did. I did A, B, and C, and then I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I started adoring Jesus, and I was all humble, and I just started naturally encouraging everyone. So, at this point, we're, we're asking the Holy Spirit to work. That we love what the Holy Spirit is doing when he does it. And we ask him to do it for us. Now, thankfully, I'm not going to leave you with just that. Not going to leave you with just that. Um, God meets us where we're at. That's what Jesus is all about. He meets us where we're at. Um, and one way he meets us is communion. 
And communion is used by the Spirit to do this stuff. All right, so how does, how does the communion uh, help us know who Jesus is? It shows us what he has come to do. That Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He came in flesh and blood so that he might die on the cross and give us his flesh and blood. That he is the Savior. That he paid the price. That you have nothing else to pay. His body has already been broken. His blood has already been spilled. There's nothing else to do. Be reminded of that today. Secondly, this is a reminder of our unity. It's called communion because we have communion together. We have fellowship together. That we have fellowship with Jesus because think about the unity that we have with the one, someone that we eat. He penetrates us. He is in us. He is part of our very body. That's the image here. They feast upon Christ and drink his blood. And then the image is that we are united together. That this is our family supper that we are eating together because we share Christ in common. That we are united together as the bride of Christ, as the people of God, as the kingdom of God. And finally, this is an encouragement to us. It's an encouragement that what Jesus has done is going to be fulfilled. That this is pointing forward not just to, to the Passover, not just to the, the upper room, the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what this is. This is looking to forward to when we get to heaven and eat all together with Jesus Christ in the new heavens and new earth. And it's his promise that we're going to eat it now and we're going to eat it in the future. That he's going to fulfill what he has promised to do. In the meantime, in the meantime, as we wait for him to come back, Let's value Jesus Christ. Let's adore him. Let's have humble joy that we get to be with each other and let's encourage one another in Christ. Let's pray. Father, you are, you are good to us. You are kind and you are gracious and we do not deserve the gifts that you've given. We thank you for revealing to us Jesus Christ by the Spirit. We thank you that you work in our hearts that we might adore him more. We thank you for the fellowship that you've given us, that we can stand in the presence of, of fellow believers united to Christ. And we thank you that you will fulfill the things that are coming. Father, would you fill us with your Spirit? Would you change our hearts? Would you give us hearts that that rejoice in song, that see Christmas and, and rejoice with the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Christ's name.